everybody. This is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. We're very excited today because we're talking about a brand new movie. We are talking about The Batman. Boom again. The Batman. This is uh, uh, not the... So this is actually the first solo Batman movie since the Dark Knight trilogy. We have had a Batfleck in between, but he never got his own movie. But today... We're going to talk about the Batman starring Robert Pattinson as the Cape Crusader, directed by Matt Reeves, um, also starring Zoe Kravitz, Colin Farrell, Andy Serkis, and really just a great supporting cast that we'll get into here in a bit. But we're talking about the Batman, so let's get right into it. Anybody just like bursting with thoughts they want to go first? Bursting with thoughts. What a way of such an incredibly eloquent way of putting it, because that's how I describe it. There's so many things you could say about the movie. I had a feeling David would have a lot of thoughts as the resident Batman expert. Yeah, I will. Batman. I want that. I, I'm going to struggle to say anything negative about this movie. Oh, yeah. uh, this was like, if they if it's like they wrote it for me. Like, I have, <laughs> I'm not joking, I have notebooks from college where I would talk to uh, my friend, maybe you guys remember him, Coulter. Yeah. And we would just talk about what they should do for a Batman movie. And it was like, they should focus on the detective stuff. I am a big, I'm a big Riddler guy. I've been wanting more Riddler forever. I love the Jim Carrey version. I, I, I unashamedly, I think my favorite of the nineties Batmans is, it is Batman forever. Even <laughs> though I know it's not good. Like it's not very, it's not like very, it's not maybe, may not even be as good as 89 or Batman returns people. If you like those more, get it, totally get it. Batman Forever is just, I don't know. It's just so fun. So I've been dying for more Riddler Forever. This is like, I, I remember saying that the sequel to The Dark Knight should feature the Riddler as the villain because it just makes, to me, it made the most sense. And gosh, the, the, there's so many elements. The, their narration that they use. Bruce has multiple moments where he's narrating the story internally which is such a comic book element of hearing the inner thoughts of the character that is almost never used in comic book movies. Why it's it's so integral to any comic book you'll ever read is the little block notes where you'll have speech bubbles and then you'll have thought bubbles that are usually square as opposed to round. And just hearing the character's inner thoughts as they're going through a thing, is ne- it's underused. I remember the very first Spider-Man movie opens with narration from Peter Parker. And he never talked. You don't hear it again until the very end of the movie. There's probably a little bit of similarity here, but I feel like they used it a bit more. And it all sounds like stuff Batman would say. Ah, I've become Shadow. It's very Batmany. But yeah, the performances I thought were really good. Colin Farrell good. Paul Dano as the Riddler it was it was amazing. Robert Pattinson. I, I think I'm not really ready to have this discussion. I don't think, but I think he's already worked his way into the top two to three Batmans we've ever had. Yeah. It, just the style, the look. There's so many things. I, I don't want to have so many, so many sequels, so many Batmans. Let's move on to someone else because I, I probably could go on for the entire run of the show. I know you said you could go on for the entire run of the show, but I also feel like this is somehow the closest you've been on this show to being rendered speechless. It's true. It's I like, mean, like, <laughs> you have your speechless, but you can't stop. The only complaint I have about this Batman movie What's is that? how freaking hard it is to draw that Batman symbol. That symbol is so intricate and delicate. Like you asked me to draw the Nolan Batman symbol, easy, no problem. Can do it, do it for you, no problem. This one, I can do it in my sleep. Been drawing this Batman logo since I was like nine years old. This new logo, it's tough. Try it. Pull it up on your pull it up on your phone or computer. 
get a pad and paper and try to draw this thing. It's impossible. Hey, all you need to do is buy the merchandise there, bro. That's all you got to do. No, That's I, all they I, care about. I, I have almost bought the Batman hat like several times and just had to stop myself. Don't recreate it. Buy authentic. Yeah. <laughs> Can you ever have enough Batman hats? I guess is the question. No. Uh, Andrew, you've got the Cape Crusader behind you there for those of of our audience watching the video version. Oh, it's like the first, like one of the opening shots in the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. why don't you share your initial thoughts next? Okay. Spoilers are coming, by the way. Spoilers are coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that should be, yes. Please be aware that this is a spoiler conversation. Yes. Everyone listening. <laughs> yeah, this movie is very new, so spoilers are coming. I think this is the shot in the arm that Batman needed. And okay. not to disassociate anything else from Batman, but the things that, let's face it, the last couple of Batman flicks just weren't very good. They just weren't like they were just not very good. And yeah, we have Batman versus Superman, which is hanging right there. We have, uh, we have a suicide squad from 2016, not the suicide squad. That's and then we had this little thing with my question is this, was the Batman supposed to be what Ben Affleck was supposed to do? No. It morphed into a new project. Yes, Ben Affleck was attached to write and star in a Batman solo film, and then he dropped out, and then it turned into this. No, this is not the movie he was going to make, but yes, they were going to make a movie either way. Gotcha. My Either way, I think this is what... I, I want to say this right now, and I've said it ever since Friday night whenever we saw it. I think this is the movie that they have finally did Riddler justice. Like, I loved the Riddler in this. I thought the Riddler was right there next to Keith Ledger's Joker. Because I think he is just, like, magnanimous in his role. Paul Dano is really a good actor. He's a really good actor. And the fact that he's a villain in this just makes it even better. So, that's what I have to say. Everything about this movie, I've absolutely loved. It was a, it was a hard-boiled detective story like Batman should be. It looks like a comic book. And, and villains in it, the characters in it, are so well-fleshed. So well-fleshed out. There's really, I can't really say too many bad things about this. I really don't have any bad things about this. The only thing I'll say is this. A three-hour runtime. A three-hour runtime, a bit long. There were parts where it stretched out a little bit, but I will say the majority of it was not boring. Yeah, I agree. the The runtime is the only thing I think would scare some people away, but I think it's worth it uh, because it does ground a lot, and I think that's what Batman needed. I think for too long, DC has been trying to keep up with Marvel. And they've gone cosmic and they don't need to because especially just with Batman, you have so many recognizable people within such a recognizable city of Gotham. And with, for me, over the last so many years of Batman, you lose that touch. You don't have that Gotham essence and, and being back in and seeing the crime and, and being a part of that. It, it really it felt like they took the good parts of the TV show and put it into a movie-centered focus, and now they have something to work with for Batman. I'm still very intrigued as to what their plan is for more, if they have any more, but I do think that this is a, a good way to re-establish Batman because it is so different 
than what you've had in the past. You go in to Batman, if you don't know anything and you just expect a new Batman movie, you have a formula that you're expecting based on previous superhero movies in general. And this is something completely, it's got your fights and it's got your action, but it is grounded in that detective story and they let the performances shine and it is very reminiscent to moments of The Dark Knight, um, especially with, there's a car chase with Penguin and Batman and there's fire in the background and there's raining down and penguins riding through the car. And that moment right there made me think of that moment where Hitler Joker is riding around in the car in the dark night. So they do those little things that really connect you to the previous things like that. Just subtle enough. If you pick up on it, then it can be fun. And I don't know if it was intentional or not, but they do those things and, and they intrigue you through the whole time. So even when the story is a little low, that the mystery element of it and the performances keep you in trench. So the three hour runtime feels it but that's not necessarily a bad thing in this case. Yeah, you, all three of you touched on the detective aspect and I have to agree with that as well. It is very refreshing to see uh, Batman on film be a detective like he is originally written to be. This is a real Batman, Jim Gordon team up movie where they are investigating this string of serial killings together. I feel like it's the best utilization of Jim Gordon since... Definitely since The Dark Knight. And I think he's better in this one. He's more central to the plot. So I enjoy that. The narration that David touched on, great. Love that. Everyone wants to compare this movie to The Dark Knight for obvious reasons. And I've been trying not to do that yet because I feel like I, it needs to settle a little bit more. But what I will, the ways I will compare it, The Dark Knight and more underratedly Batman Begins. But those movies are credited with this idea of gritty realism being used in comic book films. And I've been telling people that I think the Batman makes the Dark Knight's Gotham looks like, look like Candyland. It's so much more dark and grimy and actually crime ridden, which is also refreshing. And you also got this take on Batman, who is clearly still the rich Bruce Wayne figure. But he doesn't lean so heavily on his high-tech gadgets. He's got some. He's got those cool camera contact lenses and um, various other things. But the Batcave is not this slick, cool, polished place. The Batmobile is a car that he built himself. Before it's revealed, you see engine parts and whatnot in the Batcave. So I enjoyed that a lot. The, the Riddler mm. loved making Riddler a serial killer. That was cool. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of inspirations there. Yes. I do think he deserves a place in the conversation up there with Heath Ledger's Joker in terms of DC villains done well, because he is scary. I thought he was really menacing. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, I think is the best Catwoman we've seen on film. And I don't mind saying that. Uh, I I think she is given a real purpose. And I think uh, Zoe as an actress does it really well. Catwoman has this complicated history with Batman where it's like, she's a bad guy, but she helps him a lot too. And they help each other. And they also have this kind of odd relationship going on. So I, I, I think that was really good. And then before we move on, I'll say that I felt like this movie really reminded me a lot of Batman, the animated series in several ways. Yeah, which is also considered one of the like peak examples of Batman. You were gonna say peak. Usually, I was gonna say what? 
I knew you were going to say peak. I almost went like this, but I was like, I got self-conscious at the end and I just went like that. Yeah. I was like, peak. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I was really happy with it. The, the, it seems like the one negative aspect that comes up from a lot of people is that runtime. It didn't, it really didn't bother me too much. I've seen it. I, I've seen it twice now and I liked it more the second time, to be honest with you all. You know, I think after that first time I said, I probably wouldn't watch it again just because it felt so, it felt so much. It felt like a lot coming out of it. It felt long. I felt like I sat through a lot and it wasn't a bad thing. It was just like, man, that was a lot to take in. But now that I've had time to to sit with it and think about it, the runtime really is to establish those characters and they do a good job of letting breathe. And I think that you mentioned Zoe Kravitz and her performance as Selena Kyle and Catwoman, and she did so good. And they gave her things to do outside of being just Michelle Pfeiffer's and the villains or, or whatever it may be. Like they gave her a story and a background and an emotion. And that's you get a little bit of it, but they really let it play out. And so I think that's why this runtime is fine, because it gives you those pieces that you otherwise would have to condense when you're setting a story this big. And they let such good actors and actresses mm-hmm. perform in those performances. They give them those stories and they deliver. And it's really nice to see. And I'm glad that they let them do that rather than try to go, ah, oh, we need it to be like two hours. Cause then you would lose so much and the movie would be way worse. And this yeah. is a very, very good movie. I gotta There's say. A lot of good world building with that within the runtime, I think. Yeah. Honestly, Batman has one of the, uh, what's the word? The mythos surrounding Batman is expansive enough that you can do a whole, everybody's all into the shared universe, but you can do an entire universe just based around Batman's stuff. There's just tons of characters and tons of stories to mine there. You can do what this movie did and set up. There's a ton of threads they can pick up for any number of sequels or threads they can leave lying. They introduced a lot of little things. I, I feel like such a hypocrite because there are times where I watch a movie it's even two and a half hours. And I just go, this movie's too long. It's and all I about watch, pacing, isn't it, though? It's a little bit about pacing. And it's honestly, it's a little bit about how engaging the movie can be. And this movie, even at the points where it, it was, a, it could have lost me, kept pulling the thread back up a little bit. At the moment where I could have gotten bored, it goes, oh, but wait, here's one more thing to like really drive you on for another 20 to 30 minutes. You could probably, you could probably sit down and you could probably look at stuff and go, you could exercise this or this and move the move this part faster. You could pass this information a faster way. But I think, especially after we we all talked about the Snyder cut and how long Zach wanted that to be. And like DC was like, no, you need to trim this thing down because he wanted that to be like a three hour movie. And I don't know. I don't know if a three hour Justice League would have made a it would have made a difference for me back then. I feel like this is pretty much the amount of time it needed to be the Visually, there's a lot of interesting shots. I think that from a from a, the tone, I felt like both from the color perspective and from the story perspective is dark, but it's not so it's not dark for me in a way that would overwhelm me. I could understand for some people it might be just too it might be too much, too grim or too upsetting for maybe like younger kids. But I think that for me right now, this is like everything I've ever wanted in a Batman movie. There's so many things to talk about. Yeah, in terms of Riddler, I do want to say I I don't have it. I can't find the notebook where I said it. I said the phrase uh, Riddler, you could take inspiration from like Zodiac or something like that and really go with that. 
they did that zodiac a little bit of saw a little bit of yeah saw came to mind like, the video it all it all makes sense like this is my these are all my desk at work and i'm gonna <laughs> soon adding this guy hang on let me see adding this guy to the yeah. desk but the riddler verse exists and so i'm a very Excited to add to that. I thought Paul Dano, yeah, he's amazing. It's a fascinating idea to have Rid feel like he's on a he's on a righteous crusade as well, and he's wanting to. And he thinks that Batman is in on it with him. That they are partners, and they're playing a game in helping. Like he's making it fun for Batman. I'm helping you in a fun way. Figure out all root out all this corruption. That Riddler's motivations aren't entirely evil. His practices just go further than Batman's would because his little speech at the end saying like you were the inspiration for what I why I did this you showed me that fear and intimidation and just the right amount of violence can make a difference and I really hope that people who watch this movie who are going to say yes about that scene where Batman beats the crap out of a bunch of thugs and then says I'm vengeance right I hope that they watch the rest of the movie to figure out, to listen to what Robert, to what Batman, Bruce Wayne says, that being vengeance isn't enough because vengeance isn't going to actually bring hope and justice to people. It just brings momentary satisfaction to you. And I, I hope people pay attention and listen because it's not just about Batman beating people up and being gruff and tough. It's about Batman being a symbol of hope in a world that is dark and has lost its way and he has to wear that darkness a la Johnny Cash in a way that says I'm not going to pretend that everything is sunshine and rainbows I'm going to try my best to bring this world back up this city back up and my light is like going crazy over there sorry I'm like <laughs> in and out getting blown out left and right it's so good like it's I, I really hope people pay attention because I feel like most I feel like there's a lot of Batman fans that just want him to be mean, tough Batman, right? And yeah, this I is a uh, different. This uh, is a different kind of an origin story for Batman because you're used yeah. to seeing mother, father die, and then he's sad, and then he becomes Batman in order to get over it. But no, he became Batman because he's angry. Right? He wants he wants that vengeance. This is his only way to find the thugs that killed, beat them down, and and they went for him. And and this, you don't. You get the backstory. We don't need to see it on camera again, uh, over and over again. This is a different kind of origin story of a Batman realizing what he's doing in the right and the wrong way and how to pivot that and become something better. And so I really appreciate that story. I agree. I'm a huge fan of Jim Carrey as Riddler as well. I have always wanted a like dark, brooding Riddler, but I have always wanted Jim Carrey to, report, to come back and reprise that role because I know he can do it. But Aldano did a great job that that reveal of him. Andrew, lean a little bit to your right. Ah, just like that. It was such a good reveal of the Riddler in that movie. It was a cool reveal shot, and it was so good. And I'd like to hear Andrew's thoughts on how it was shot as well, because for me, they were they did such a good job of bringing you into it. And there were several moments where I thought, man, I'm not a huge fan overall of 3D. But this moment would be really freaking cool in 3D. And I just am interested how you thought the movie looked it. The, the movie, I had so much about how the movie looked. I am a big cinematography nut. Mm -hmm. So the fact is that, the fact is that I loved how it was shot. It, the fact that if they did it in 3D, I think that'd be interesting. I don't know what they would do, 
but I think having it in 3d, I think, I think having it in 3d would look very cool, but either way, I'm really satisfied with what I saw. It is the dark brooding Batman that it needs to be and not it's stylized, but I accept it. You know, I, I accept the stuff. It's a little, I don't want to say overstylized. It's not overstylized because it's supposed to be dark. Batman is a dark story. And I felt like it felt stylized enough for Gotham. I feel like we got Gotham and not New York City. I feel like a lot of times it has lately been, you lose that essence in that, that over, over the top Gothic nature of Gotham. Yeah. And I think that we really got that being back on the street level. And I'm, again, I'm interested to see what they have overall, because I think that this is an interest, like they've got so many cosmic heroes and Batman is not. And I think they, if they handled, if they created a Batman world, like they seem to be, you have. Uh, HBO where you can go. You have so many options to build this world individually from a movieverse. And then you can wrap in this version of Batman, a street level hero into the cosmic stuff that you're establishing in movies that branch it out that way, because Batman is and should be different and brought in or in some way, shape. That's a dated thing, but, and, and how that origin story works, but that I feel like they can bring him in this way. And that is a good use of Batman and giving us Batman world and the DC world and incorporating that moving forward. Yeah, yeah. We know that there's a Colin Farrell Penguin series coming to HBO, and I am sure that we can guarantee a, a sequel at some point in the future for this. I also, we reached out to, to listeners to gather some reviews from listeners. So I want to read a couple of those and we can talk about those real quick. I pulled two of them. We've got one here on Instagram from FlutieMan07. Hey, he said, and this is this might be a conversation piece, I think. I don't know. He said, I liked it overall, but I actually think I prefer the action style of the Chris Nolan films to the noir detective style that Matt Reeves has, at least upon initial viewing. I also won't get into spoilers here, but there was a payoff I was expecting that never happened, and that was a little disappointing. I'm not sure what he's referring to there. No, not I'm sure. about to follow up. Let yeah. us know. Not sure if it was on purpose or just Easter eggs. Pattinson and his supporting cast are all great, but I think the long runtime with the slow burn approach and detective elements took it down a notch in the end for me. Still interested to see where they take it with the sequel. I have another listener review I'll read, but any reaction to that before we read another one? I know this gentleman, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, and I'm not, I, I feel like this is a reaction that I'm not surprised by, not for him, but for people in general. I think that, and I don't think that uh, this applies to him if, in this particular scenario, but I do think there is a certain amount of people that will go in expecting a certain formula of superhero and get a three hour detective story and be a little upset by that. I don't, I just, I see that being a thing. I don't think it's going to be an overwhelming amount, but I do see people going in after their brain has been trained to expect a particular style of movie and getting something different when they expect a certain type of Batman. Or a superhero movie in general. So I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if people have that reaction. Yeah. Any, any thoughts from you, Andrew? What do you no, think? That's, no, I don't. Yeah. So I, I can see where he's coming. I can see where Flutie Man is coming from. I think there's more, I think they really wanted to focus more on the noir style because yeah. this is a mystery and this is a little bit of a noir. I like that about Batman. 
So I'll still, I will always watch the Bruce Nolan Batmans or, or not the Bruce Nolan, the Christopher, Christopher. Nolan Batmans. Yeah. And, but like this right here really opens me up to this. So I'm curious as to what they're going to be doing. It, they decide to make a sequel. Give us a character that we haven't seen a hundred billion times. I don't even care if they give me a character I've seen a hundred billion times, if it's good, quite frankly, that's the nature of comic books. <laughs> Uh, we've been looking at the same villains for 70 years. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, I, I do want to say, though, I, a lot of it's different strokes for different folk, folks. I disagree. I don't like the action style sequences of Nolan more than this. I think the noir detective style is what's right for Batman. But that's me personally. I don't have I don't think that either way is wrong. But yeah, I do. I do see the complaints about the three hour runtime. To be completely frank and blunt, I roll my eyes at a little bit because most people will binge watch three hours of television without thinking twice. And then they watch a three hour movie and suddenly they can't stand it. I don't. I think we're a little disconnected on that. But I do want to point out. I do want to point out that Avengers Endgame is longer. Three hours. Yeah. People complained in 2008 that The Dark Knight was too long. It's two and a half hours. And people were yeah. like, golly, this movie's too long for a Batman movie. Yeah. And like, that's it's movies have just gotten longer in general. That's just a thing to accept. I, I truly think it's the binge model of television influencing film. People have shown that they're willing to sit and watch TV all day long. I wonder, though, if it's because they have the opportunity to leave. In a movie, you don't. You're stuck there for three hours. You can leave, but uh, you miss people. You can show TV shows. And a lot of shows are broken. Like they have natural. Okay, there's a finality to that moment. I can breathe. And now I can start a new episode and things are going to reset a little bit. You don't know what you're going to miss if you go to the bathroom in a movie. What's the other one real quick? Well, I was going to let me pause the show real quick and say we have 10 minutes left. So I'm going to read this review and let's just let's use the rest of our time to finish this conversation. And then maybe we should start a second one to 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 finish the show with the box office and all that stuff. That sound fair? Sure. I think we still got 10 minutes of talking us. Okay. Okay, then we had another review from a listener I wanted to go over real quick. This is from uh, Danielle Price on Facebook. She wrote, uh, she used to work at Detective Comics, home of, quote, the world's greatest detective, a.k.a. Batman. It was thrilling to see him in a lo actual live-action detective story. We usually get those in the comics or animated movies. The portrayal of the bat signal as a warning that actually deters crime to an extent was fresh as was the accusation that Batman is the true face of Bruce Wayne. It is long and feels long, but in my opinion, a lot of what could have been cut was world building and breathing room for the audience to process said world. It's probably my favorite Batman movie if we're going off of vibes alone. And then she gives a spoiler warning, and pardon me if I mispronounce this man's name, but she said, the casting of Barry Cogan is one of the most inspired casting choices I've seen in a long time. And that is the actor who portrays the Joker in the cameo scene in the jail cell. Which, by the way, I I'll speak on behalf of my wife to that. We're definitely in spoiler territory now. My wife is tired of the Joker. And I think that there is generally... Speaking, Garrett agrees. There's a lot of Joker fatigue, especially after he got his own film. And I was there with you. And then the end of this movie happened. And I was like, oh my gosh. Because they earned it for me. They earned all of this movie prior to it. was like, yes, I am willing to see your Joker. You know what I mean? And, and the idea that maybe Joker is going to be a bit more like he's reaching out to the Riddler a little bit. They might have a, 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 a unity there. I think if you do a second film and you don't feature the Joker, but you, again, feature him in a, a teasing role, 
you could bring him into the universe in a very fun way for a third movie or something else. You know what I mean? Go ahead, Dick. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say real quick, here's what I've learned about the Joker appearance in this movie. I, I read an interview with Matt Reeves earlier, and what he said was that Joker actually played a more integral part of this movie in the original cut, but for whatever reasons come up, he was cut down to basically this one small scene because he said that in this time in Batman's career, which is year two, he's already encountered Joker. So they're not meeting for the first time or anything, and he already put Joker in jail. So Joker was going to play a more prominent role that was going to have Batman meeting Joker in prison and trying to use him to get an understanding Riddler, which could have been a cool scene. But Matt Reeves said, and take this for what it's worth, because we've heard this kind of thing before, that he doesn't really have any intention of making Joker the next villain in the movie or even really a roadmap ahead at all for Joker, that this was really just meant to be a bit part in this film. So saying that... Now I don't like it even more, I think. I, I think the problem that I have with it is not so much the Joker, it's that I don't trust DC enough to trust them. And I think they keep trying the same thing over and over, and I would like to see them try something else. I'm, I know that you need the Joker, but now if he has no intent then at least reveal him in the second. I don't need him right now. I need to breathe a little bit from the Joker, and they don't do a good job of establishing other names, and they have them. You could have easily put Two-Face in there. People aren't tired of Two-Face because they didn't do enough with him in the Dark Knight franchise. So you can put him in there as a new mob boss who's trying to take in or whatever. I don't know. I'm not a writer. But you can work in Two-Face and then give me a Joker after you've proven you can deliver two good movies in a row. I just don't think that they do that, and I think that they use the Joker as a crutch to keep people interested. Now, having said all of that, I root for them to prove me wrong. I want them to prove me wrong. I advocate for them to deliver something good that I can get behind, and they just haven't done it enough for me to believe that they can. I want them to. And so please prove me wrong. So that's my, that was my take when I saw the Joker. All right. Those were a couple of reviews from listeners. We always want to hear more of those. So be sure you leave those uh, in whatever comments you want on like our Instagram page, our Facebook, TikTok. Uh, we're on all those. Just search so many sequels and follow us and uh, let us know what you thought of the movies we're talking about. We'd love to hear it and uh, maybe read some of your comments on the show. So with that said, do any of us have any additional thoughts to talk about with the Batman? I do have one more thing. And that's that I, we talked a little bit about how this isn't an origin story. But I love that they still found an interesting way to wrap the Waynes into it and make their story kind of a part of the bigger story. So it wasn't about, it wasn't about, we didn't have to watch Pearls bounce in slow motion for the 800th time. We instead <laughs> were treated to the Waynes and what their impact on Gotham City is and how that legacy impacts Bruce and how he needs to think about his role. I, I think going forward, we're going to see... Bruce start to realize that he can do a lot for this city, not just as Batman, but also as Bruce Wayne and what kind of changes he can really make on both sides of both sides of, of the coin. But yeah, I loved the, the, the Wayans being involved in the past. I loved this idea of some of their goodwill being taken advantage of. And I love the idea of Thomas and Martha Wayne, maybe not being as, as squeaky clean as they've always been presented. Now, they may not have been bad people but they they gotham's a dirty place and it's not it's very easy to get mixed up with the wrong group if you without trying yeah corruption plays a huge role in the movie and it's definitely a big reveal for bruce 
and the audience, I think, to find out that the that his father, Thomas Wayne, may not have always been as squeaky clean as he's been portrayed in past adaptations of the story. Another, one more thing I wanted to talk about, too, was uh, Andrew and I, we after the movie, talked about the music a little bit. It's really it's got a really strong score and some really interesting choices to implement some pop music in there as well. What do you think about it? I loved it because it's not like a tie in the first four movies, really the first three movies, excluding Batman and Rock, or not Batman, uh, Batman Forever. My God, no, Batman Returns. There you go. I couldn't get that out, but it was there. But Batman with Michael Keaton had a whole different soundtrack that was recorded by Prince. Batman Forever has Kiss from a Rose as well as U2's Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. Uh, Batman and Robin does have a Don't try to sneak that song in there. Anybody knows what that is? Yeah. Uh, hold me, do whip to me now? Yeah. <laughs> hold me through. Nobody knows. No. Okay. It's not a Batman song. It's not a Batman uh, song. Well, there's really not been any like pop infusion with Batman lately. And now we have a pop infusion. We have a song infusion here, but it's with a song that is very old. And they use it more than once. It's Nirvana's Something in the Way, which is a very slowly brooding song. So we don't get a lot of, we don't get a lot of like dramatic buildup, but the, but I thought it was interesting to use that song in particular more yeah. than once. Hey, it perfectly matches the vibe of a slow brooding superhero. Yeah, pretty much. Because it does. It's not like, uh, it's not Prince or, or... Uh, seal or anything like that, which were really more like they were kind of power ballad type things. This is much more, and it fits in with the idea that Matt Reeves has talked about. I think a lot of people are talking about how emo Bruce looks in this movie, but it fits in with the inspiration that Matt Reeves talked about that, that Bruce is inspired a little bit by Chris Cobain here. And I think that makes for an interesting comparison. Kurt Cobain music and the grunge phase predates the uh, 2000s emo phase that I think most people are thinking of when they see uh, Bruce Wayne with black under his eyes and his hair all in his eyes and face like that. That's what they're picturing. But uh, yeah, I think that's great. I think the soundtrack or the uh, the score that uh, it's just really powerful and intimidating. Yeah, it's a cool theme. So he's got a cool Batman theme. Okay, I guess with obviously I think we could talk about this for hours, but I, the show is not sustainable like that. Without any other major points to come across, why don't we talk about how this movie? has done in its opening weekend. That's the most box office numbers we have right now. So how are we looking? David, how's the Batman? Uh, yes, because we are recording this the Sunday after release. There's not not going to be a long history here, but best estimate as of Sunday at uh, almost uh, four in the afternoon is uh, $128 million opening weekend. That's including all of the previews, which this movie had a ton. So we have Monday previews. Like, I've never seen... I've never had so many people see a movie that hadn't come out yet before me. People were like, <laughs> it was like Monday before the movie comes up. People were like, let's talk about Batman. Spoilers ahead. And I was like, what? The movie's not even, stop that. So $128 million, uh, opening weekend is very big. It's the second biggest opening since 2019. I think behind only Spider-Man No Way Home. In that same opening weekend, you have Uncharted, which brought in $11 million, which is not doesn't sound like a lot in comparison, but that's only... That's not a very big drop for Uncharted in its third week, so it's doing good. You have uh, Dog, not Power of the Dog, just Dog. Spider-Man No Way Home is still the number four spot with 4.4 million. 
And then at number five, you have Death on the Nile. I had one under set here. So it made $57 million on its opening day, which is very big. And that is including $21 million from from all those pre-shows, all those Thursday night, Wednesday night shows. In terms of Batman films, this was, we're still in pandemic era. But even given that, this Batman will go down as the third biggest opening movie featuring Batman. Behind Batman, Superman, Dark Knight Rises, The Dark Knight. And honestly, that, that it's in a, it's up there in company with those in terms of everything else is pretty, like, it's sub 100 million. Oh, and I didn't get to say, you guys were talking about a little bit earlier, you're talking about fantastic, like, like cosmic Batman or fantastic Batman. I'm so ready for that. I want my Mr. Freezes and I want my Clayfaces. I'll wait however long I have to. I want my absurd villains. My, I think my top three Batman movies at this point are this one. The Dark Knight and Lego Batman, because Lego Batman just gets the other aspect of Batman so well, which is the it, sort of, I don't know, the goofy silliness of it. It's just, Lego it, Batman is an extremely good Batman movie. Yeah. People don't talk about it enough. It's a blast. I don't think I've seen the bad one, that Batman version. It's so just fun. Lego movie. I've not seen it either. Lego Batman. We might have I, to add it to our list then, because it's worth have, watching. We'll love it so much. I think that. It is so good, and it's so funny, and on it makes me want to see Robin eventually in a movie. We haven't had a a Robin in a Batman movie since Chris O'Donnell, and so I would love to see someone have the guts to say, "Can we bring Robin to these Batman movies and make it work?" Nobody tries. It would Nobody be interesting. Tries. Anyway, that's all I have. So yeah, it's going to go down probably as the fourth. Now these numbers could change since I like I said Sunday estimates. It could balloon up to like 133 million or something like that. 135, we don't know yet because the Sunday estimates is based on like pre-sales and just generally how the market usually flows Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So anyway, I'll leave it there. Let's okay. Shall we go to Letterboxd? Is it too soon for that? No, we can go ahead and go into it. The numbers are in, friends. Let's do it. Yes. One quick note, though, that I meant to mention earlier and totally forgot about. There is a cool a little Easter egg of viral marketing in this movie that people are beginning to notice now. That is barely visible in the post credit slash not post credit scene. So at the end of the movie, at the end of the credits, uh, a screen pops up that just says goodbye in the joke or the Riddler font. So that's it. But for a frame, there is a URL that is dot com. Mm-hmm. And if you go there, you take it to an MS DOS looking screen and then it takes you to a an image that is a cipher code. Uh, and I have no idea what it says. This is brand new stuff. I haven't. That's that viral marketing. And we don't have the cipher, unfortunately. Yeah, I haven't Both seen it. You have to, have to pause the movie really fast to yeah. watch, see, figure it out. I bet it just says watch Batman on March 3rd. Yeah. I don't know if anyone has cracked it yet, but I, I love that kind of stuff. If you haven't seen it yet and you watch the show, I don't feel bad for telling you this, but there's no real reason to stay for the credits. Just that URL pops up for a split second. Yeah. Now, that said, let me read some a few of the top reviews for this movie on Letterboxd right now. Now, this movie just came out. Expect a lot of enthusiasm, I would say. And I'm going to do this without looking at the score so that I can play the game too, because I want to play the game. We've got top review. There's a lot of talk about how this is the sexiest Batman or the most emo Batman. What's more important is that this is finally a Batman who sits down and looks for clues in a big stack of dusty old files. Agreed. And that was a four-star review. Star bringing Batman back to his roots as a guy who mostly walks around and has growly chats with this one really gruff cop. Yes. And then two more. They didn't have to make him so hot, though. (laughs) 
And then finally, that score is going to be stuck in my head for days. Holy shit. So hearing those reviews, I don't remember which one of us is actually running the game. Who's not, who can see the score? You might as well do it, Josh. Okay, I'll just do it then. I didn't see it anyway. Who wants to throw out a guess first? I'm, I'm going to... Oh, go ahead, Andrew. Uh, you go. I'm going to say that this movie is currently sitting in that coveted 4.1 spot. 4.1, okay. I was going to say... You should have given me, up your spot. I allowed you to go. <laughs> he tried. Yeah, he did. I'm going to say 4.0. Okay. Y'all are making this very difficult. <laughs> right now. Right. Because then it's, do you dare go higher or do you dare go lower? I don't know. I think I'm going to go low with three, eight, three, eight. I'm going to, I'm too scared to go above a 4.1. What I, the only thing I have left, which is 3.9, because I don't want to. Oh, we've just completely covered the board right here. I know. It's unfortunate, but sometimes that's how it has to be. So. It's like, it was like 2.7. I know. Without further ado, <laughs> let's see what it actually is. Da, 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 stand by. This movie, which has already nearly 200,000 ratings. We do not have a direct winner. That sucks. And that it's tells you... Somebody on the end. I know. That tells you one of two things. <laughs> this movie has a score of... Gotta be high. 4.3. Where's that letterbox at? For Letterboxd, an extremely high rating. I'm yeah, very good. Super, super early. Probably, I would expect it to hover in Super the early, but before. mind you, 200,000 ratings already submitted. I could definitely see it drifting down to that 4.2, 4.1 area. There's a reason I said it's coveted. Basically, Letterboxd is tough. A few one-star reviews will really drag your, you drag your score down. So I could definitely see it landing lower over time, especially when everybody, when so many people say it's good. You get this waft of people going, that's eh, not that good. There's people who just refuse to accept or pe- for refuse to be a part of the crowd that agrees it's good. And I can't or like I said, they, they thought it was going to be something different. I can't wait for 10 to 12 years from now when we have what we have now of people going, you know, Matt Reeves of Batman is not that good. It, it really doesn't do a very good job of capturing Batman, which is what people are doing now about Batman Begins and the Dark Knight. People are trying to say it's bad now. If they can get out. What are you talking about? So it'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. There'll be a bunch of people that it suddenly isn't good anymore. Obviously, it's only March, early March. But right now, that puts the Batman as the second highest rated movie of 2022 on Letterboxd behind the Beatles Get Back documentary. Oh, very good doc. Very good doc. Yeah, that that, that sits at a 4.6, believe it or not. It's a very good dog. It's very expansive. It's we can talk about that in a separate episode. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, we need. But to... I loved it. It was very good. Yeah. So where does that put us? Where? What are we going to rate this movie? I think a few of us have put it on Letterboxd already, but not all of us have. I haven't put it up yet. No. Mine is five. Five stars. Five star review from Andrew. Okay. Yeah, with everything I said at the beginning of the show, how this was written for me, basically, and everything I ever said should be in a Batman movie. I can't give it anything but a five-star review. Like, this is going towards the top of my all-timers list. I don't know where it sits in terms of my Batman list. What's the greatest Batman movies? But it's going to be fun figuring that out over the next few years. It's really, it's stupidly difficult for me because I want 
to give it a five, but I am really fighting it and want to give it a four and a half instead. But I can't tell you why I want to do that. You're you're worried that if you like a few watchings from now, you're going to find something you go, oh, I don't really like that part about it. I, I did. I will say I did give it a four and a half on Letterboxd currently. So that I guess out of a technicality, I will say it's four and a half. I'm going to throw it's climbing for me because I'm thinking of it more and, and processing things more. But it's a four star for me right now. It, with the anticipation of a climbing higher, but four stars. All right. I think that's pretty, pretty good. I'm pretty high praised, as they say. Definitely above that 4.1 range. Yes, that is a 4.6. I had to do the math real quick. That's an average 4.6 from this uh, squad. So that's get back territory. Not, not bad at all. Not bad at all, I'd say. Okay. That is our review of the Batman. It was great. I love discussing it. <laughs> It's a good movie. We hope you enjoyed it. If you watched it, please, like I said earlier, let us know on social how what you thought about it. Hit us up on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok and uh, send us a DM, comment on one of the videos. Let us know what you thought of the movie. We will uh, happily talk about your thoughts on the show. And then, of course, visit us online at so many sequels.com. You'll find links to our socials there, as well as our whole catalog of episodes. We have a, I, I haven't said this yet. We have a brand new so many sequels.com. So please go enjoy it and check it out. Seriously, you can look through all of our episodes there without having to scroll through your app or anything like that. And it's good. I'm very happy with it. So go check it out. We'll be back uh, next week, probably, with something new.